waves in the Finiverse. Live from Singapore Fintech Festival. So there is a joke actually from a stand-up comedian saying, I can imagine myself after 30 years being old, going to a hospital, and the nurse is just shouting at me and saying how many times I need to teach you how to make appointments through Metaverse. Now what's interesting right now with the macroeconomics going on, with all the craziness of the Fed, with all the interest rates going on, Southeast Asia is probably one of the best, or if not best, place to be right now. Some of the people that I've learned the most from have been 20-something-year-olds who are fearless and start their own companies. And that's the thing about technology. We're constantly learning from young people, and yet we think that the learning path only goes one way. Welcome to Waves in the Finiverse. This is our recap of day two at Singapore Fintech Festival. I'm your host, Walter Jennings, and this podcast brought to you by Finiverse, organizers of Hong Kong Fintech Week and D3 Bahamas. Today, we got off to an active start with Frederick Gregard, who is the CEO of Cordano Foundation. They oversee the blockchain Cordano and spoke in depth about the chain, its benefits, and their token, Ada, named after Ada Lovelace, the mathematician. The vision of Cardano is really to, to help the billions who don't have identity, who don't have access, and don't have governance in this world to get part of a global community, but also to help the people in the developing countries to get access and to incorporate, and so we can help the people on the ground. And the Cardano Foundation, we said, if we define what success looks like, we are super biased, right? We just say, oh, that's success, and then we try and do that. So we actually took the, the st- uh, one stand back, and we chose the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Fantastic. And we said, okay, it might not be the best framework, but it is a universally accepted framework. It holds a lot more than just, you know, environmental impact. It also holds about identity, it's about governance, it's about loads of different points, 17 to be exact. And uh, we are ensuring or trying to ensure at least that all projects we engage with from the Cardano Foundation, they at least cross over, you know, a couple of those points, because then we can measure our success in an external framework and not in an internal framework. And a proof of stake, what that really is, is that you're having, um, in our case, 3,500 Let's call it miners. We call it stake pool operators. They operate nodes. That means that they have a full working, quote-unquote, copy of the blockchain. In reality, that is the blockchain, right? So everybody has a full set of the data. They keep checking each other. So there's, you know, immutability and other things. And how you get, you know, how you get, let's say, picked in a lottery to actually end the block and get a reward basically is is a game theory and when you do what's called staking what that means in cardano is that if i'm a an ada holder and you are a stake pool operator i can stake my ada to you you will never own my ada you will never have access to my ada so it's like an iou in finance and that's what i meant with positive reinforcement that means you cannot you, you don't control it it's just ba- basically a way of voting that i'm voting on you and saying i trust you more than i trust the other one so the more ADA, which is entrusted through this virtual action and there's no contract and you don't have access to it, the higher the likelihood that you will end the reward. At the end of the epoch, which is how we basically uh, cut down the time intervals in the blockchain, there is a, let's say, a lottery going on and then a set of stake pool operators are selected 
And then there is a race among those, which basically the final one is. So what it's really about is that you want to get to a situation that you have verifiable randomness, because what you're trying to ensure is that nobody can guess which stake pool operator actually signs it. And that's where the security comes in. Waves in the Finiverse, the podcast. Speaking to the people making waves in finance, fintech, crypto, Web3 and beyond. Amanda Wick, she is the founder for the Association for Women in Crypto. This full-time job is a group that helps provide mentoring, leadership and insight for professionals, male and female, in this space. They have a very active community of female professionals with mentoring circles, as well as a group of male allies. And we spoke about some of the challenges of being in this industry. A lot of people, when they think of mentoring, they think of, oh, I have a senior mentor, right? And I learned from this senior person. But this is really outdated, wrong thinking, because some of the people that I've learned the most from have been 20-something-year-olds who are fearless and start their own companies. I'll introduce you to my (laughs) teenager son. He'll teach you a lot. Exactly. And, And that's the thing about technology. We're constantly learning from young people, and yet we think that the learning path only goes one way. So instead of a a mentoring of a senior woman and a junior woman, we have mentoring circles where we put about six to eight people together. Fantastic idea. We match them across industries, across geographies, and we say, look, you can all learn from each other. And we saw this at our launch event in Santa Clara where there was a very senior successful woman who was having difficulty kind of getting into the C-suite. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm just having difficulty getting into this. And this woman who is, I think, maybe 29, she said, well, have you thought about joining a startup? And the, the woman said, that's too much risk. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm on, I've started my second company. Like, we should talk. And you could just see the bonds being grown and the, and the, the possibilities being open because the reality is, is A, women are more risk averse. We just are. We invest less in venture capital. We tend to be just more risk averse generally. So to have those conversations, sometimes women need somebody to push them to consider the cost benefit, the, the cost risk analysis. But, you know, if you don't take big leaps, it's very hard to make big gains. The biggest thing I tell men is tell me what you need. I have a woman that I can put forward. And that's the thing is we have to get men to be more intentional. You're planning a conference, you're working on a paper, you have a job opportunity. Just be intentionally inclusive for both women, people of color. And it's 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 such an important thing. And to think globally, even conferences in the United States, I'm like, you couldn't get one person from Southeast Asia or Europe. You think all of fintech is in the United States? Yes, travel is, is, is a cost issue, but we just have to figure out ways to do this better. And being more broadly inclusive is something that we just we all have to do it for, for crypto, for global fintech. If we're going to make this work, we have to be more intentionally inclusive. It was a nice break to have Anthony Saar, CEO and co-founder of Finiverse, step into the podcast booth to talk with Toya Jang, the COO of Bit.com. So Bit.com is a cryptocurrency exchange which uh, offers crypto trading from the spot market, futures market, and as as well as the options uh, trading. So this actually offers a very comprehensive um, financial market compared to the traditional finance. 
So traditional, we that's why during our panel, I also uh, indicate that we have a lot to learn from the financial traditional finance market, because the participation um, of of uh, hedge fund um, uh, like high net worth individuals, asset management firms, is um, building a sophisticated financial infrastructure that actually helped to get to the traditional finance at the very healthy level um, comparatively. So we are also doing such thing and, and uh, pushing that uh, from the crypto space as well. So this is necessary, like you have a healthy infrastructure, people understand this, people know how to hedge the risk, uh, being professional because it's undeniable that cryptocurrency has a price in the market and people are taking advantage of the price. This has already built itself a financial market. So you can't ignore it. You just need to navigate through it and master it. We are already uh, having a taste of metaverse already. I think there are metaverse concerts happening last year. It's, it's really immersive and uh, audiences are really enjoying it. Tickets being sold and uh, post promotions being enjoyed as well. So this is just a tip of a whole metaverse thing. What I'm thinking is that it is going to be a thing because again, this is what human nature wants. They want to experience things in a very enjoyable level and being entertained. So there is a joke actually from a stand-up comedian saying, I can imagine myself after 30 years being old, going to a hospital, and the nurse is just shouting at me and saying how many times I need to teach you how to make appointments through Metaverse. So this is going to be something that is real and is going to be part of our life. We are already having taste of it. Yeah. Our next guests were Artem Vorobev and Peter Radenko from the Unicorn One Inch. They are a decentralized exchange aggregator allowing you to overcome the price differentials on a coin that may trade at different levels across unconnected exchanges. So by providing an aggregation service, it overcomes the arbitrage opportunity and allows people to get the best price possible. The problem that uh, one each solves is the problem that Anton and Sergey had by back by this time. So they want to simply trade uh, on DeFi. It's the best trade. Yep. And they had to say, hey, there is a five Uniswap pools and there is a balancer. So where is the best price? On the balancer, on the Uniswap, or maybe I need to swap first from USDC to DAI and then DAI to Ether. And it's like, it was always like problem, uh, I, I, would, I would say, inconveniency for Anton. Hey, how, where is the find the best price and they, we realize hey there is no such service let's build it it's a great hackathon idea so the guys just automate uh, monitoring for the uh, uniswap balancer pools they may be introduced some more protocols i thought it would be it was four different protocols back in this time and they implemented it as a just front-end application so the just one html page that go through the smart contracts find the best rate uh, simple routing algorithms that split your liquidity, and I would say it's just it was brilliant idea uh, that uh, solved Anton and Sergey problem, and eventually it was not only Sergey and Anton problem; it was like problem for plenty of DeFi users, especially crypto whales, who find this very useful. And like yes, 
Uh, I think it was, how to say, we find the racket market fit. I was thrilled to spend time with Adam Jin. He's the leader and founder of FTX Ventures. This is the venture capital arm of the global exchange FTX. And we spoke with him about the challenges of attracting the right organizations in and their focus on crypto and equities and wide ranging opportunities in this field. We actually in the past, like Buran, we saw a lot of institutions having their interest into crypto. Uh, they reach out to us and talk about like how they actually can participate in the market. And uh, uh, this is a part that we're ready for it because we are the exchange offering the derivative tradings. Uh, we have a different uh, um, uh, way for them to hedge their market. So we have spot trading, we have uh, different tradings, and we have some uh, um, volatility products they can also um, trade as well. So uh, most of the players are, are I think, it's a proper trading firms. They they provide like market making, and uh, some of them also like asset managers. They provide like direction trading. So there are a variety of options for them to trade. And we are a, a cross-margin uh, um, platform. So basically it means that you're holding BTC as a, a collateral. You can trade ETH or other contracts, which will increase your, uh, ut utilize your uh, capital more efficient. Social is a little bit like uh, a, a tough way to think like how they can leverage crypto, um, but more of like blockchain, I guess. Yeah. Um, most of the time, like social are, are like social needs like network effect. Because I use uh, uh, WhatsApp, uh, it's not because of like how great the product, of course it is, but most of the time it's my friends on WhatsApp, so I, I use it. I guess like, this is also the same for uh, Web3, Web3 Social. Um, people need to have a friend on uh, surrounding one, on one product. And uh, the difference I think here is like, there's a way, I guess, like in the form that people want to record their histories of uh, uh, either their blog or their their code on the uh, uh, blockchain. So, for example, we saw that uh, Mirror.xyz is the uh, fully unchained like a blog uh, platform. So, whenever you post a blog, it's like fully unchained, and uh, as long as like the blockchain exists, there won't be any way that people can take that down. So it's a good form for people to record uh, whatever they want to. It won't be controlled by like centralized like uh, company or whoever can delete your post. So this is the uh, a form that I see is interesting. Waves in the Finiverse. The next episode was hosted by my colleague Maria Vovchuk, and she spoke with Simon Ahn, who is the managing partner of Rakuten Ventures. Rakuten Venture was set up specifically in Singapore 10 years ago, specifically because it has a lot of tax benefits, setting up a hub here and whatnot. But what was interesting is that when we actually came, we were probably the luckiest people in the world because it was just the start of the venture ecosystem. It was just the start of how people are looking at technology and really thinking about what the next future of consumption and as you see fintech is. And when we, as we did that, more and more investors, more and more liquidity came into the market. And we saw just an amazing upswell of investment and, of course, innovation. Now, what's interesting right now with the macroeconomics going on, with all the craziness of the Fed, with all the interest rates going on, Southeast Asia is probably one of the best, or if not best, place to be right now. If you look at the ASEAN uh, MSCI index, mm -hmm. I'll give you a, a, a quiz. What do you think the 30-year return on the MSCI index for China is right now? 30-year return. 3.8%. Uh, it has just hit 0%. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't guess. And 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 the the MSCI index on ASEAN has outperformed every single index、mm-hmm. for the past maybe two to three months,、uh, mm-hmm. up to about 120 basis points. That is very peripheral in terms of how well the company、uh, countries in the companies have performed. But more importantly, understanding that this is a place for very productive consumption, credit consumption,、mm-hmm. and people still build things, and those things still are not in competition necessarily, but additive to the whole ecosystem. To end out the day, we talked about DMAS or Document Management as a Service, and how a company founded in 2019 has grown throughout the pandemic to be able to provide document management and signing, no matter where in the world you are. We spoke at length with co-founder Dr. Ernie Tio. So DDoCo basically stands for Decentralized Document Connector. So it's an acronym, but it's it doesn't read like an like an acronym, right?、Um, and what we do is we do document management as a service, right? Including document signing. So we are a full featured signing platform actually, and we are equivalent to any any kind of centralized document signing platform you can see out there. But we are also blockchain based. So that that is the the key differentiator for us. We are blockchain based. Ah,、uh, we are decentralized in nature at the back end. And what that means is, we provide two types of value propositions. Number one, we allow our customers to store their own documents instead of storing it with our cloud. Now, if you use other kind of signing platforms, your documents goes into the cloud while it's getting signed, and it's actually stored there even afterwards, right? And that is a privacy concern, right? Even though these guys have good security as well, if they ever get hacked. Your contracts, your agreements are going to be read by other people. What we call our our documents are non fungible document processes. What it means is we store document hashes. So hashes are like cryptographic、um, kind of conversions of the documents that allow us to make sure that the document hasn't been tampered with. We store that on the blockchain and we stores the we store the signature trail together with that hash. So what we are able to do is then allow anyone to be able to directly verify the document and its processes on the blockchain, so they can make sure that the contract has been signed by the right people. You know, as long as they have a copy, they'll be able to verify that directly. That brings to a close day two at Singapore FinTech Festival. We're looking forward to more conversations and highlights again tomorrow. Thanks for joining. Do hit subscribe and thank you for listening to Waves in the Finiverse. This has been Waves in the Finiverse. Why not hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.